he is immortal. Born in the highlands of Scotland 400 years ago, he is not alone. There are others like him, some good, some evil. For centuries, he has battled the forces of darkness with holy ground, his only refuge. He cannot die unless you take his head and with it his power. In the end, there can be only one. He is Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. And welcome into Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander Season 2, Episode 11, The Fighter. And joining you to talk about all these episodes of Highlander, I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. And with me, as always, is Audie. Audie, how you doing this week? Doing good, Travis. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad, actually. Um, so this was an episode that I remember, but I remember differently than what I saw when I watched it uh, yesterday and then again earlier today. Yeah, this was one that I didn't remember at all, which, you know, there's going to be a few of those, and that's fine, but it was a fun episode. I'll say that. Yeah, it had some really interesting parts to it. So so we start off with a montage of boxing, um, and Duncan ends up running into his old friend, his old buddy Sully, who's managing this kid boxer named George. Uh, they, you know, they meet up in the tunnel afterwards. Some guys are congratulating him. The, there's kind of these sleazy guys that want to sort of buy off George or, or take him away from Sully, which, you know, he's not having any of, they get in a fight in the hallway with the other boxer. I thought that was fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, we learned that Sully, while he's a great trainer and a good friend of Duncan's can't talk to women at all. Uh, specifically one woman named Iris who works at the bar. The bar that is owned by the guy that was trying to steal his fighter. So he took, yeah. so he takes Georgie to the bar to celebrate winning the fight. Right. <laughs> it's very, very convoluted, but you know, it is what it is. Um, meanwhile, so Sully mm -hmm. can't talk to Iris at all. He just gets all tongue tied. Yeah. Um, but he's he's conned Duncan into loaning him some money, investing in Georgie, and mm -hmm. for like a ten percent stake or something like that to to help him because the kid's a good fighter. And and Tom, you know, Sully is uh, he he very much believes in loyalty. Um, and then we get we get flashbacks. The flashbacks there's not one or even two. They're kind of there's a couple of them scattered throughout the episode. Uh, we'll talk about in a little bit, but um, back yeah. to a time when uh, when Sully was friends with Duncan and got kind of, I guess you could say, conned him into a bare knuckle boxing fight. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, long story short, because the the episode is structured a little bit interestingly, but the sleazy bar owner slash boxing promoter tries to drive a wedge between Sully and Georgie using Iris. Um, and so, uh, Sully ends up killing the guy and his assistant. And mm -hmm. then when he finds out that George was going to leave him for another promoter, kills him and tries mm -hmm. to leave town with Iris, who I don't, her, her character wasn't very well fleshed out. We'll talk about it's kind of some, yeah. um, and Duncan confronts him at the empty arena and they have a fight. Uh, Duncan can't let him do what he's doing anymore. So they have a fight and mm -hmm. uh, 
Well, uh, you can guess who walked away from it. Yeah, because Even, the series keeps going. Yeah, because it wasn't the end of the series. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not the episode that I remember, but it was still a pretty decent episode. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a good one, not a great one, not a bad one, but a good one. Sure thing, and uh, and we did um, unearth yet another Watcher Chronicle. So why don't we give that a listen? Mm-hmm. Sure. Thirty first of January, nineteen ninety four. Tommy Sullivan is at it again. He's recently returned to Seacouver with a new boxer he's managing named George. Kid's a pretty good boxer, no doubt, but Sullivan is still having trouble making ends meet for them. But he's getting him fights, and that's what counts, I suppose. Although after tonight's fight, there was a bit of a scrap in the tunnel. After that, looks like a local wannabe promoter named Coleman tried to muscle in on George. Sullivan didn't take too kindly to that. Short temper on him, that's for sure. 2nd of February, 1994. Coleman and his right-hand man were found dead this morning. It was Sullivan. He was upset with him trying to steal his boxer and making him look foolish in front of a waitress named Iris that Sullivan has a crush on but can't seem to be able to speak to her. His temper, mixed with an increasing disregard for the lives of anyone he deems to be worthy of dying, is concerning. Let's hope McLeod can talk some sense into him before things get really ugly. Uh, special guests this week, we had a couple. Um, one, uh, So the main one being Bruce Weitz as uh, Tommy Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully. Uh, he's mm-hmm. an old friend He's an old friend of Duncan's. Um, and interestingly enough, this is the third Tommy we've had in the past seven episodes. Going back to... <laughs> because Richie kills a Tommy, an IRA, an IRA member named right. Tommy, an eye for an eye. And then last week, the episode was called An Epitaph for Tommy, who's of Scottish right. descent. And now we have Tommy Sullivan in this one. I, I so Apparently, the Lord. writing room just liked Tommy's. Yeah. Um, That's weird. <laughs> I, I had to point it out because it was too funny to me. Three, three characters, three major side characters named Tommy in seven episodes. Um, yeah. So he's a, he's a short Irish former boxer, now manager and trainer. And Duncan says that at one time he was one of the best boxers and uh, I don't know if it was Ireland or, or where, but he was you know pound mm-hmm. for pound one of the best boxers out there. And he's got a short temper Which, to match. It's funny because we never see him fighting. No, no. At all. And I wonder if they had more, if the budget constraints hadn't been what they were for this season where like all, because all of our flashbacks have been that early 20th century you know, 20s mm-hmm. to 40s era. I wonder sure. if they didn't have that, if they would have had uh, something with Sully older, an older thing with Sully, or maybe just the fact that they cast Bruce White as it and he was the age that he was at the time. It would have been hard to show him as maybe. a younger man. I don't yeah. know. Although immortals aren't supposed to age, so I'm, I'm not sure. Right. But yeah. you're right. We never it, really it, see him fight other than, you know, scrapping in the hallway at the beginning of the episode. Right. Um, that was just interesting. Yeah. So he's big on loyalty, and it feels like big on loyalty to him. Right. You know, you, you he wants everyone to be loyal to him. Meanwhile, he's going to tell you whatever he needs to to get mm-hmm. to get what he wants. Uh, and short on cash. He's always needing money. Always, apparently. <laughs> uh, and he does have a quick temper. So we, we see that a couple of times. That is one thing for sure that we do see. Mm-hmm. So he's he's a little bit of a stereotype, 
right? The short okay. Irish guy with a quick temper, likes to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Bruce if White. had red hair, that would have been oh, just yeah. kiss. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Bruce White, however, uh, he's pretty good. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, they, they so in the flashbacks, he's he seems more... I don't want to say naive or or innocent, but he's much more um, he's much more innocent at that point than at least outwardly than you would think. Um, he's not quite as angry, although what we find out by the end of the episode is eh, it's more of a facade, really the the friendly nature that he has. Right, I would say he's more tempered in the flashbacks than anything. That's probably a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, um, but he he convinces Duncan to uh, get into a bare knuckle boxing match where Duncan has to last three rounds and they get a thousand dollars, right? Which of course everything goes goes sideways on him at the end, and mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I, I thought Bruce White's was was good. Um, his accent in the flashbacks was meh. Yeah, I didn't care for it either. Like it was a kind of a cartoonish Irish accent, but not even yeah. like a not not even like a an over the top cartoonishly. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, I think it was weird because he didn't have it at all in the modern what we were watching. So him having it just that I think the two of us watching this the way we are, knowing how little little back in time those flashbacks are compared to other flashbacks we've had Mm -hmm. just feels like a little he shouldn't have the accent so much even that far you know that little far back and it just felt like it was pushing it a little bit maybe but at the same time like duncan um duncan's accent kind of comes and goes depending on where he is when when we see him in the flashbacks and i like the idea of the immortals through the ages, through time, their their accents coming and going. It makes sense sure. to me. That was one of the things I loved about the first movie with Lambert is he's already got a weird accent anyway, so play that up and kind of give him mm-hmm. this weird, like his accent doesn't sound like it's from anywhere. Duncan kind of does a similar thing, and I think it makes sense for Tommy. In the early 1900s, it may have been the first time he was in America coming over from Ireland, so he hasn't That's quite true. lost it yet, but as you know, 60 something years later, uh, he's, he's dropped the accent and he's just Tommy, you know, he's Sully. I mean, right. the only thing, maybe have him have a Boston accent, but would have, mm-hmm. would have been kind of interesting, even if he's out yeah, in Seacover. That, that might've been better. And I mean, yeah, you can, you can glom accents in, you know, no oh, for time. Sure. I had a friend who was from Pennsylvania and then she moved to Tennessee and hearing the Pennsylvania accent pick up the Southern accent and kind of blend <laughs> together was super weird. Oh, I bet. That's always funny to me uh, to hear that when the accents smush. So when before, mm-hmm. like, especially if somebody has a fairly uh, characteristic accent and then they start to develop the, the other one if they live somewhere new. Right. That that transitional period is is always interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I want, uh, so yeah, I, I, overall, I liked Bruce, um, as Sully. I thought he was, uh, he was good. It, the thing with him was he was very, he came off as very likable. He's got a lot of charisma. Mm-hmm. Then we find out towards the end of the episode that, you know, that temper is a little more than we even thought. And mm-hmm. he has no problem 
killing people that he feels wrong right. him. Or Which he, I thought was super interesting that we've got a quote unquote good guy not mm-hmm. caring about usually it's been our bad guy and that's been their motive. Like humans are lesser beings. So I don't care about him. This time it's more of a quote unquote good guy. Mm-hmm. Friend of Duncan doesn't seem to be that bad. And then you find, yeah, he's kind of got that mentality. Yeah. He, it, it was interesting to me and I kind of wish that they would have explored that more sooner in the episode and let that right. build. It felt like, because I remembered, as I was watching it, I started to remember, oh, that's right. He's going to end up killing George because George, like, f- because of her perceived uh, disloyalty. Mm-hmm. And it's like that happened in the last five minutes of the episode. Right. Right before Duncan confronts him. Mm-hmm. That really probably needed to happen earlier and let things fester and build a little bit more because what it ends up feeling like is it feels like Duncan goes from, Hey, you're a great friend of mine to, well, now I have to kill you right? with with not much of a transition there. And so it's like, well, okay. So was, was Duncan really that close of a friend of his all this time? And it just finally became too much. Like he, he knew Mm. maybe something, but so that's the, that's the part there. Like it just felt like it happened too quickly for Duncan. Right. And you could have easily solved that with a couple little things of dialogue here or there. Mm-hmm. Just something he says, you know, kind of under his breath, not thinking anybody's listening. Duncan hears that and it's like, wait, what? Right. What'd you say? Yeah. Something yeah, just, like that. There could have been some more deft hand uh, going with that. Mm-hmm. It just Because it, what it ends up doing is it ends up making Duncan feel off. Right. Because it doesn't feel like the way he would react to what's going on. The Duncan that we know to this point would have given Sully another chance. Right. And then had done something like he would have confronted him about it, but he would have given him a chance to sort of, uh, uh, you know, kind of walk it back a little. And it just felt like Duncan never did that. Like as soon as he found George, it was, I'm going to kill Sully. And that just didn't feel like the Duncan that I know at this point in the series. So, yeah. They kind of rushed that just so they could get to that fight. Yeah. Eh, you know, it, it's it's what happens sometimes. We had a couple of other yeah. uh, fun little little characters in here. So Nicholas Lay uh, as Rodney, mm-hmm. who is the younger brother of Iris. And I mm-hmm. saw... So I remembered him being a bigger part of this episode. That was the thing <laughs> for me that for some reason... And maybe it's just because I watched it initially... And because I had I had started, I had watched X Files before I watched this, and and Nicholas Lay played Richard Krychek on X Files, mm-hmm. and I yep. love him in that. He's great. So yeah. having watched X Files prior to this, when he popped up in this episode back when I watched it for the first time, I was like, oh, it's awesome, it's Krychek. And so may I think my brain just remembered it more because mm-hmm. he has a really small part. And it's, right. un- it's unfortunate because he needs more. Like he really should have been in the episode more. That whole subplot of this brother yeah. and sister. That could have been better. So I, I have thoughts on that. I'll talk about in a little bit, but I just had to mention him because uh, anytime Crycheck shows up on something, I love it. And yeah. I can't, I can't help but think of him as Crycheck. It's just, plus <laughs> it's such a cool name, Richard Crycheck. Which is probably what you were doing when you were watching Highlanders. Like, this is Crycheck. He's got to be Crycheck. And then it's like, he's he's not even close to Crycheck. Why? 
Not, not only is he not close to Crycheck, he's barely in the episode. Right. And, he, and he looks drunk the whole time. Yeah. Um, and then there's Richard Ferrissey as Joe Brock. He's the big boxer dude in the flashbacks. Yes. He's awesome. I love seeing this guy and stuff. I will mm-hmm. always remember him from Rumble in the Bronx because it's right about the same time <laughs> period as this. And he has that really great scene because he's, you know, uh-huh. he's a guy that would show up in a lot of action films, especially yes. Asian and Australian action films for some reason. I, I noticed him in a lot. But he's got a mm. big imposing presence. He's got a really distinctive look, especially when he's got yep. his big ponytail. But his face, he has a very distinct face, too. Yeah. He's got kind of big bug eyes and stuff. Yeah. And his scene in Rumble in the Bronx always kills me because it's it's played for so much comedy where Jackie Chan hits him a couple of times and he kind of gives him this look and sort of shakes his head like, Mm-mm, that's not going to hurt. And then Jackie <laughs> yeah. grabs a football helmet and cracks him one. Yeah. And he's like, uh-uh. And then he grabs the giant wrench and he just, he starts begging him to not hit him with the wrench. And <laughs> so I, I, I always remember that. But he, he was fun in this because he just gets he to be was. big, shirtless, bruising dude. And what's great mm-hmm. about that is, and I, I, I bring this up a lot, but when your hero is as physically impressive as Adrian Paul is as Duncan McLeod, you have to have somebody confronting him that feels like a physical threat. Right. I can buy that this dude as a bare knuckle boxer could beat the shit out of Duncan. Right. Sure. He oh, do- yeah. totally could because he's just that big and he has... The thing with him is he's not like this ripped, toned guy. He's massive. It's bulky. Mm-hmm. He is solid. Yeah. And so you just know his fists feel like like clumps of cement. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, the, one I, thing I, that, I uh, the one thing that I tripped up on and was just thinking, I don't know, I have to figure it out some other time, but it's like, at what point was Duncan, and you know, like, seriously train in the martial arts and be able to just sidestep and take out this guy. No problem. Right. He should have been able to, at that point, the only reason I could think of is because he's following bare knuckle boxing rules. Right. (laughs) Duncan, Mr. Honorable guy is not going to break out the martial arts and just take this guy down and freak everybody out, but he'll take a few punches and a few licks. Sure. I mean, why not? You know, but what and then and then I find it funny later on when he's talking to Charlie about not wanting to get into boxing because he doesn't want his brain scrambled. But like right. Duncan, your brain's not gonna get scrambled. It's gonna heal itself. That's sort of what you do. Yeah. But yeah, I Richard Pharisee, like I I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing his name right. Actually, probably not at all, but I, I like him. He's <laughs> he's great and it was a it was fun. I re, as soon as he mm-hmm. popped up when they were walking along that pier. And then I saw him in the background before he steps up and grabs Duncan and kind of headbutts him or punches him, sucker punches him. I was like, oh, right. that dude. Yeah. He's, that's I who he is. He's a, he's a that dude. You're right. He really is. And he was a very good that dude in this episode. Yes, he was. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are special guests. couple good ones. Bruce White's. Uh, I, I would have liked Sully to be a character in more episodes and maybe... Yeah. Again, it's one of those where maybe have have this character instead of having to use them up in a single episode. Show us this guy a few times, and and we get to see his fall. Right, we get to see yeah. Duncan slowly realize he can't he can't abide by this guy's stuff anymore. Yeah, this would have been a good one to like say, screw it, we're not doing a fight this episode. 
Mm-hmm. And he hightails it out of town, leaves Duncan a note. Yeah. And then we see him later on down the road. And you know, and whatever. I honestly think uh, in a more modern style of show, that's probably what happens. You, you, you stretch right. it out a little bit more. Um, because there's not as much, there's much more serialization of shows today than there was in the mid nineties. Oh yeah. When it was very much episode of the week stuff. Yeah. Can, can we also talk about George's hair in this episode? Holy cow. That hair was amazing. I was like, dude, it's guile. Somebody has been watching some street fighter and was like, Hey, how do we make guile? Cause yeah, no doubt. You could, you could land a helicopter on top of his hair. It was that flat. <laughs> And tall. It wasn't like it was a short buzz yeah. cut. This was mm-hmm. like three, four, five inches tall. That was yep. super impressive. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know the video game Street Fighter, go look up Guile and then look at this guy in this episode. And you're like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Totally. Pretty close. That guy was big, too. Yeah, he was. You want to talk about bulky. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like he just looked like a side of beef. And I, I his name is Ren. W-R-E-N. Right. Which is a great name. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't picture him from anything else. And I feel like I would have seen him in something. Yeah, I looked at his IMDb. He didn't have much, so. No, not really. here and there. So, I would have liked to have seen how Sully got over on him. Like, yeah. that would have been fun just to see. <laughs> That's true. If you're going to have Sully take him out, like, I want to see that fight. Because he was twice the size of Bruce. Mm-hmm. Like Sully was a, just a little dude, so but yeah, uh, pretty good special guest overall this week. For sure, been a faithful friend, Mac. Always. I only said I think. Show me a man who understands loyalty. I will show you a king. So as I mentioned, there wasn't like a single or even two flashbacks. They sort of sprinkled little short ones in here and there. Uh, I think there was mm-hmm. four of four. them total. Yeah. Yep. Four. Once we got to the fourth one, I was like, another flashback? <laughs> and there was there was never like a, a long protracted transition either. It was just sort of Duncan and then mm-hmm. boom, we were into flashback. Right. Honestly, I didn't mind that. I kind of like mixing up the formula a little and give us some, some different stuff. It fit in this one because you had a whole flashback that was just the bare knuckle boxing fight. Right. And, it was one continuous story over these four flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you could tell it was one continuous story, and I and I appreciated that because you had mm-hmm. you had some comedy and levity when when Sully walks in on Duncan when he's uh, in bed with somebody, and then he gets all <laughs> flustered, and then you have pushing that narrative of him not good with the ladies apparently. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, so you have that. So you have the pre-fight of that, and then you have the pre-fight of them on their way there. Duncan still being like, "No, I don't want to do this," but then he sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the other boxer kind of forces his hand. He gets sucker punched into it. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the the fight itself, which overall I thought was was done fairly well. You could see the, some of the shots that yeah. they reused. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought that uh, it was it was blocked out really well to where it felt like a real fight. Right. And you know, getting all the the crowd reaction shots and stuff. Um, and then we had kind of the epilogue of the fight, which was Sully confronting the guy that owed him money and then mm-hmm. who gets killed off screen. But up to that point, we still haven't quite believed that Sully could kill somebody. This is like the first real, Ooh, Ooh, no, Sully probably killed that dude and got the money. thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and Duncan more or less alludes to that too in the flashback. So true. But for whatever reason, he's more okay with it or just letting it slide. I think that feels a little bit like, like Duncan knows Sully and it's, it, it, yeah. 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 I, I, I get what you're saying. And it sort of, it does make sense. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing where it's like, it's one of those things where it feels like in the flashbacks, this is when Duncan was a little bit different. The mm-hmm. times were different and the way things were handled were different. So, yes. um, you know, the way the authorities actually handled stuff and somebody would be held accountable was different than more modern times. So, you know, I could see Duncan, you know, letting it slide, not having that big of a reaction compared to now. Right. Yeah. I think, I think over the, whatever it is, 60 something years between, that and the present day of the show Duncan is sort of taking a different stance on on the casual killing of somebody that owed him money <laughs> right um but yeah I, I thought they were they were solid uh mm-hmm. solid flashbacks they looked great I mean they you know everything this that they're really making sure that that uh, that lot of um costumes they bought are going to good use right and and no was, sound issues this week no compared to last week's like they had everything locked down with the sound throughout the whole episode but especially the flashbacks like everything sounded great yeah including the boxing and all the foley work for the boxing and the the sounds mm-hmm. of them dodging and hitting and and all of that like it it looked and sounded good so mm-hmm. i appreciate that because yeah last week's last week's sound issues were jarring and took you right out of things and made yeah. it feel cheap this didn't feel like cheap uh, right. cheaply done so you know. why don't you let me lend you what you need lend me well how do you like that i take a business proposition to a friend and he makes me out to be a beggar <laughs> is that what i've done absolutely i've got my pride mac i've no interest in borrowing money it's a 50 50 proposition so uh no richie again um he's he's gone this week no joe um no nope. but charlie's back and charlie actually yep. gets to have kind of a fun role uh, he gets to do something a little different. So at one point um, after the fight, Charlie's like, all right, all right, Mac, I got to go. I got a date. And mm-hmm. that's all they say. And then he just takes off with her. Um, and, but uh, after Sully tries to get Duncan to help him with his whole I can't talk to women thing, Duncan <laughs> passes the buck on to Charlie. He's like, hey, Charlie, why don't you, uh, why don't you do this? So Charlie gets to play Cyrano. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which is pretty great. Um, yeah. And it's like, it's one of those things like, well, Duncan could have done that, but then you think about it, this is still not that long after Tess. So mm-hmm. it's probably something he doesn't want to touch. Oh, And I'm after sure. seeing Charlie with his date, it's like, yeah, why don't you go talk to Charlie? The... <laughs> the scene though where where Sully and Duncan see Charlie the it's like the next day and mm-hmm. they're they're both they're in the dojo and um Sully's working with Georgie and then uh, Duncan right. comes down and so Sully's like hey when are we going to when are we going to talk about uh, when are you going to help me out and this and that and then they both look over and they see Charlie with his with his date and you just like the two of them it's just jaws drop mm-hmm. like they can't believe that Charlie's with this woman um, yes, because dear listener, this was a very attractive woman with a very tri- tight dress on. Yes, looking very, very good. With, and they were like, Charlie, right? You got game. 
And Charlie's like, well, yeah, I mean, of course I do. I'm Charlie. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah. I'm Charlie DeSalvo. So, uh, so yeah, so Charlie gets to be Cyrano de Bergerac. And I liked that because you get this like flustered, annoyed, come on, man, you got to be listening to me, Charlie. Right. With somebody else. Uh-huh. So that was, that well, was I fun. It, I thought it was funny, just their interactions. Charlie even makes a joke about how old are you, dude? Or, like, right. you know, where are you coming from? And then I also made a note about how it was funny that these two very stubborn dudes are put together in this <laughs> yeah. situation. Yep. I was like, that. okay, that's some good writing right there. Well, the continued work they do to dance around immortals with Charlie is great. Like, mm-hmm. it's well done yeah. because it's not ham-fisted. Right. You know, even when he, like, there's a scene with Charlie and Duncan where they're running and they're working out and they're jogging and all that kind of stuff. Which, by the way... There's the other one. It, it, it reminds me that, okay, Phil Aiken is actually in pretty good shape and he must have just been having a bad day that one episode where I was making fun of his running. Mm-hmm. It looked like his knees didn't move because he actually moved okay in this episode. Right. Um, but he, he has that moment where he's talking about, like, hey, did, you know, did Sully ever fight? And Duncan's like, oh, yeah, he was one of the best fighters I'd ever seen. And he's got to, like, dance around that now. He's like, oh, it was before your time. <laughs> Charlie's like, how did I not hear about him? Yeah, and Charlie's like, I'm not yeah. that old. Come on. Or he's not that much older than me. Like, that kind of thing. So Right. And um, Duncan's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you'd be surprised. And, and it's really funny. I just love that they're continuing to show Duncan and Charlie's friendship through this and that it's an honest friendship between mm-hmm. the two of them, like, going and running and talking about stuff. And it's just like, these are two guys just hanging out. Like, Okay, everybody, if you didn't know before, I'm a big comic book nerd. And this really gave me um, Cap and Falcon vibes of them, you know, hanging out together, talking yeah. together and stuff like that. I can see that. Yeah. Yep. Um, and and I like that. I like the, the friendship between the two of them because Duncan needs friends that aren't part of the game to, to kind of right. keep him human in a way. Because mm-hmm. now that Richie is an immortal, we're not going to have that with Richie anymore. And that's always been kind of an older brother fatherly type of thing. Anyway, he sort of takes care of Richie in a lot of ways, but he doesn't have Tessa anymore. And even still Tessa knew about his immortality. So having him and Charlie, right. Just having this real friendship that has nothing to do with Duncan being an immortal. It's just two dudes that, you know, Duncan owns the building where Charlie runs the dojo and they both like to work out and they're just buddies. Mm -hmm. So I like that. Yeah. So also a great, great line from Duncan when Charlie's like, well, who's the best fighter that you always looked up to? And he's oh, yeah. like, Connor McLeod, kind of a relative. Right. Yeah. That was always a good one. That was, that was a fun one too. <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, you'd, ne- you'd never oh, heard okay. of him. Right. You've never heard of him. Oh, try me. So yeah. Um, I mean, I miss, oh, of course I miss having Richie in episodes because Stan Kirsch is Richie. He's, he's gotten so much better. And we've mm-hmm. still only gotten just a taste of Joe. He's right. He's been around, but he hasn't become a full-fledged, like, going to show up in a lot of episodes yet. We've only had a few episodes with him. Yeah. So, so it, and it's nice to see, it's not, not only nice to see Charlie get to do something a little bit different, but also we're still working on washing the bad taste of the zone out of my mouth with how bad that episode was. <laughs> so any good stuff with Charlie is better. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You've been a faithful friend, Mac, always. I only said I think... Show me a man who understands loyalty 
I will show you what came. Uh, so we do get a final showdown between Sully and Duncan. Uh, it takes yes, place at the arena. The uh, The arena is empty uh, except for two men. And uh, I will not continue on with my uh, going the distance. <laughs> no, so um, so they're at the arena. Tom, uh, Sully is meeting up with Iris and trying to sort of, he's confessing his feelings for her and he wants her to run away with him. This is after he's killed Georgie. Mm-hmm. And Duncan confronts him and they have that moment where Tommy's like, hey, uh, Sully's like, hey, well, can we can we talk about this later? And Duncan's like, no, we're gonna we're gonna do this now. Yeah, because at the same time, Iris is more or less confessing some feelings for him. She's kind like, of. "I knew, right? I knew what was going on." Yeah, it's I like, mean, really? I have, okay, I have thoughts about that too. But yeah, <laughs> but Duncan <laughs> we'll Duncan confronts him, and we finally get to see Tom. Uh, we finally get to see Tommy Sullivan fight, um, mm-hmm. even if it's not boxing. He pulls, a, whips out a sword. Because again, we come to the point where he's like, "Yeah." humans we can take care of them whenever we need to like yeah. um i specifically wrote down the thing where he was like i only kill those that deserve it right and it's like well it's how like, do you choose that you know that's right a, yeah. so that shouldn't always be up to you sully knew. shouldn't always be up to you dude so yeah so they uh they fight and um it's it's a decently staged fight i kind of like how it goes from the upper balcony over the railing mm-hmm. to the lower section through some of the chairs ends up in the in the ring because the boxing ring is still set up. Yeah, they did a good job with the lighting on and off of them to hide the stunt double fighting as Sullivan. Like I thought that was really well done the way oh, yeah. they did that. Like you could tell it was not um what's his name? It was a stunt double, but that the way they did the lighting throughout all of this hid that well enough that you didn't think that much of it. True. It wasn't Ab- glaring compared absolutely. to other episodes and stuff. Right. I mean, I One noticed it because I, really, I was looking for it, but. Right, exactly. One thing I really liked is the fact that he had a cutlass with, you know, the big old covered oh, yeah. handle. Mm-hmm. It was like a boxer is going to have a sword that he can hit you with his hand with. And I thought that was really good. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, and then, it, uh, of course, it ends with a quickening in the middle of the arena, um, in the middle of the mm-hmm. ring, which... Still, ba- still boggles the mind. You really have to suspend disbelief with this show. I mean, among many mm-hmm. other reasons, all the property damage and electrical damage that gets done from these quickenings, and no one questions it. Right. Yep. So. Or just uh, him cutting Sullivan's head off. You didn't see a drop of blood at all anywhere. Nope. Even though it was on there and he fell off. Yeah, and still... not only that, but Duncan can then leave the uh, the arena and leave the body there. And we never hear about it again, either. Right. That's sort of something I I would like if they do a modern version of this ever to really play back into some of that outside influence stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. my guess is, and one way you could hand wave it away, the Watchers. Right. Maybe the Watchers swoop in, take care of it, Mm -hmm. so they don't interfere with the game, but they make sure that nobody finds out about it either. Right. That's possible. And back to the quickening. Did you get the feeling that Duncan was trying to fight it off? Kind of. So one of my And I wouldn't have thought so much about it except for last episode where he was like, bring it on. Like, just come on. Let's do it. Let's get it over with, with the quickening. And then this, this time is the way they animated it. 
it made it look like he was fighting it off with the swords somehow. A little bit. I think part of maybe what gives you that impression too is he almost seems reluctant to take Sully's head. Right. Whereas he was not reluctant to take on Galen last week. Mm -hmm. And even though he has decided at this point that Sully is irredeemable, he still it still hurts him to kill somebody who was his friend. But he just knows right. he can't let him go any longer. And that's where I wish the episode had been more of that arc, more of that story, and less sure. of the boxing manager backbiting and the sleazy guy that owns the bar that's got the waitress under his thumb doing work for him because her brother drinks too much. Like there was some mm -hmm. the the stuff with Iris and Rodney, while I love seeing Nicholas Lay. He was wasted in the episode. Yeah. And really like that whole that whole storyline could have been its own episode and, and work right. that into something else. And it, it, it was another this was another case of an episode that felt like two half baked stories that they mushed together instead of letting yeah. either one of them get fully fleshed out, which is what makes it mm -hmm. okay, but not a great episode. It it just right. it was done well enough to not be a completely awful episode either. Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean there there's certainly things that I would have done differently for it but I think that overall it's a solid entry it just wasn't what I remembered I remembered more of the Iris Rodney stuff being in the episode than it was or I felt like as I was watching it I kept thinking maybe that was a different episode then I thought at one point maybe it was something from a different show and it turns out it wasn't as I looked things up so I don't, right. I, I, I don't know what I was remembering but yeah, it probably was what you were saying earlier. I just, when I was younger and I saw Crycheck, I just glommed <laughs> on and said, "It's Crycheck. He's awesome." But yeah, it's a it's a solid episode. Um, not great, but certainly not bad. Yeah, that Iris thing at the end weirded me out too. It's like that was that's another one of those moments where it feels like they they didn't think that through, and it was just somebody yeah, who just, wrote it. They wrote the ending to write an ending and get through it. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, so Iris, she's the last one to see Sully alive. Uh-huh. And she sees him with Duncan. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he's gone. Now, you could write it off that Duncan talked him into just leaving town without Iris because he knew what Iris, you know. But it was funny that then we turn around and Iris is leaving town. It's like. <laughs> yeah, that didn't make any sense. She didn't want to leave with Sully. But the next day, she's ready to leave town with her brother and go go start yeah. new somewhere else, which is exactly what Sully was trying to get her to do mm -hmm. the night before. So, again, it's something that wasn't written well enough, and they just wrote whatever they could to finish the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were missing pieces. There were there were scenes missing that that would have made that make more sense. That were probably right. just never you written. You could have made that work. Like you could have been like, okay, Duncan talked Sully to going away going away by taking his head mm -hmm. and just lets Iris know, no, he just left town. He didn't. And, um, you know, Duncan's like, I didn't want him to do that to you. And then that puts her, the idea in her head to, yeah, why don't we leave town talking to her brother, all that. But yeah, exactly. Know, that's all smaller stuff that they just didn't have the time or whatever to deal with. So mm -hmm. again, it, it felt like two, two half stories that, Mm -hmm. that was the end result was that getting kind of mashed together. And they, they really just didn't let either, either one of them could have carried a full episode. Right. Either one of those 
threads. And I think this is another episode where the all the actors playing their parts so well is what elevates this episode better than it could have been. Like if you had had some other actors that were not as good as every single one of them were, mm-hmm. I think this wouldn't have worked as well. Oh, absolutely. But when you've got, you know, Bruce White's and then, you know, everybody else doing their roles the way they did and playing them as solidly as they did. Yeah, absolutely. There was like there weren't bad performances. And mm-hmm. if they had been, or even just boring, unmemorable performances, then this would not have been a good episode because by rights and the way it's written, it shouldn't be. But it's another, mm-hmm. you're right, it's a perfect example of yet another case where there's enough there that a good, solid performance makes it passable and makes it good. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, next week is an episode that I do remember. Um, and I do know that Richie comes back and that's all I'm going to say about it until we talk about it next week, but it's, uh, it's episode 12. It's under color of authority. And I will say that Richie nice. is back and we have some good special guests in this one. Nice. So that'll be Very next good. week. Episode 12 under color of authority. Yeah. Um, so if you want to hang out with us while we're recording, you can certainly do that at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. We record on Tuesday nights right now about 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you can come hang out in the chat and um, yell different versions of McLeod at us like Artemis Tigris. <laughs> it's always fun. Uh, or be a, be a nobody, not a no one like Danny Ora, but you're neither of those. So just, just so you know. Right. Um, we love to have you there. Uh, the show comes out on Thursdays at anchor.fm slash Let's Watch Highlander. And until next week in episode 12 under color of authority, just remember that there can be only one Irish former boxer in this episode. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)